Welcome to Canada's podcast, the number one podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. Hi, this is Angela Fay from Canada's podcast. One of the exciting things about being a host for Canada's podcast is making new discoveries every day about how Canadian business decision makers and entrepreneurs are a force for good in their communities, nationally, regionally, or locally, or in a specific sector or interest group. But today, story actually started, I was inspired by an iconic Canadian company, Maple Leaf Foods. They had an ambition to become the most sustainable protein company on earth. That's a pretty big, that's a pretty big uh, notch on the wall. And so as I dug deeper, I discovered that Maple Leaf Foods was a corporate member of Canadian Business Social Responsibility, a professional association for Canadian companies championing business as a force for good. But I'd never heard of CBSR, and they've been around for a long time. 25 years ago, CBSR helped introduce Canadian businesses to a then groundbreaking idea that's now widely accepted as a compelling truth that businesses do better by every measure when they operate in a socially and environmentally responsible way. And as I learned more about CBSR, I also discovered they ran invest or they ran and invested in a campaign last year in some research called Doing Business Like a Canadian. And I thought it was important for me to be aware and to share with you their findings so we have a greater sense of belonging and pride and what sets Canadians apart in how we do business. And so I dug in. And part of that journey was meeting Lior. Lior is an entrepreneur and happens to be in the executive director role at CBSR. There's a lot going on for Lior and for CBSR, so I'm excited to have him here today with us. Lior, please introduce yourself. Thank you, Angela, and I'm really excited too. This is so such a wonderful platform that you've developed here, and um, I'm also uh, learning about you and Canada Podcast, and it's, uh, I've been listening to some of your past episodes, uh, in particular, the one that you did with Maple Leaf Foods. Uh, so I was really pleased to hear that. But really great to speak with you and, uh, and address your audience today. And um, happy to tell you about CBSR and, uh, and, and entrepreneur stories and uh, anything that you're interested in chatting about today. Well, I want to start with you, though. So tell me a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey, because, you you know, you've typically come from or atypically come from oil and gas and yet are, are a sustainability leader. So let's just talk a little bit about your journey a little bit. Sure. Well, yeah, maybe that maybe that sounds atypical. If you go a little bit further back beyond that, I actually started my career in international development. So I was always really interested in this idea of how how do you marry uh, business principles, the idea of moving markets and, uh, and, and resources towards the area, the areas most in need, whether those are environmental needs or uh, needs of humans. And the, my time in the oil and gas sector was um, an amazing opportunity to work on some of the issues I was most passionate about, including water and uh, greenhouse gas emissions issues as well as community and indigenous issues. And I got experience doing um, community relations, um, ESG reporting or environment, social and governance reporting, as well as uh, policy development for um, 
uh, for two of Canada's largest oil companies. And I took that experience and turned it into an opportunity to launch uh, essentially two organizations. One was a social enterprise that really focused on zero waste events at major festivals and sporting events. Really uh, incredible experience, but huge learning curve that uh, I, I, I still feel like I've got some, some great war stories to, uh, to share. Uh, but the other, the other organization that I helped create was essentially a consulting organization where I had a chance to work on some really incredible projects, including energy transition initiatives and uh, things that uh, I've been really passionate about and developing a bit of a, a repertoire for different sustainability issues that I've had a chance to work on over the last few years. And how did you land uh, here with CBSR? CBSR was uh, sort of a gift that uh, kind of um, came from nowhere. It, I have spent a lot of my time being between two cities, both Calgary, where I've spent a lot of time over the last 17 years, and Toronto, which is actually my, my hometown. And um, my partner and I were living there while she was doing her um, uh, master's degree. And I was um, spending my time in Toronto, but doing most of my consulting in Calgary. And so I was looking for some more consulting work in Toronto when CBSR, uh, the, the executive director of CBSR at the time was actually on his way out and said, hey, you'd be a really great successor here based on all of your experiences. And I took that as an opportunity to really reach out to my kind of sustainability heroes across the country. And I said, do you think that there's still a need for an organization like this? Right, great question, great question. And people said, more than ever, Lior, and I think you do a great job at it. And I said, you know, I'll do it if you would work with me. And so it was actually a great recruitment tool to have an opportunity to work with all these people that I've been influenced by and I've had a chance to stand on their shoulders and my learning about a number of really complex and important issues that I feel like now are really coming to a head. It seems like so many of the issues that were kind of under the radar that was like a sort of an exercise in awareness building and change management have now become strategic issues that virtually any company would be one, either leaving money on the table by not addressing or two, facing incredible risks as we move forward towards a more inclusive, more resilient and more sustainable economy for Canada and beyond. So you've rallied some uh, sustainability heroes under <laughs> your, under your uh, belt right now and, and you guys are doing great work. Can you tell me a little bit about, you know, which is partially why I was curious about CBSR, about doing business like a Canadian. Is there some findings in that research that you guys did that that actually set us apart as, as Canadians? What, what did you discover? Yes, the short answer is absolutely. Um, but I, I would say this, you know, um, so 2019 was when we launched the Do Business Like a Canadian campaign. It ran for four months. We, we continued to build on it uh, even beyond that. But that four month period where we were, we were, we were <laughs> that four month period where we were doing events across the country 
and putting thought leadership pieces out in major newspapers like the Globe and Mail and engaging people on social media in this idea of do we need a set uh, an art do we need to articulate a set of Canadian business values that really encompass and guide how we are going to do business as a Canadian community and what we found was that it was kind of a, like a moment in time. Canada is this really unique place because it's constantly changing. And I think that it is a good exercise to continuously do something like that because I think it would probably be a different outcome if you were to do that now, especially because this year has been such a crazy disruption. <laughs> right. But in addition to that, I think Canada is a country that is constantly evolving and it's evolving not through um, significant conflict, although there are conflicts that exist in Canada, but it's evolving through a continuous conversation that us Canadians are having about the way that we want to treat each other, the way that we want to treat our environment, and the role that we want to have in the world. And these are really important conversations. And so some of the things that we found was that there is a bit more cynicism today or at least, at least when, when we conducted the major part of this study, then there has been in the past around Canada's perceived role in the world and our reputation in the world. We're pretty hard on ourselves at times. And I know in the past, we've been very proud of the fact that we've had all these innovations that have gone global, that we were a country that invented peacekeeping. But there are some people that see Canada's role in the world as having been taken a, a step back in recent years, that we haven't been as active in some of the sort of global institutions as we should be. And, um, and when I, what, what I also learned is that when you do anything nationally in Canada, you wind up doing multi-regional kinds of activities because Canada is so diverse from province to province and even within provinces. And of course, we tried to do our very best to reach out to the various indigenous communities that exist across this country. Also, lots of diversity from one indigenous community to another, some that are actively talking about playing a much bigger role in the growing economy, saying things like, invest in us because we are a $3 trillion, uh, or yeah, $3 trillion uh, economy waiting to contribute to the fabric of the country, while others are saying, no, we want a completely different direction in terms of where this country is headed. So there's definitely uh, some really important conversations to be had there. And I think Canada is really only at the very beginning of this whole truth and reconciliation process, which in many ways starts with an economic reconciliation. There have been ways that we've left Indigenous people out of the economic growth that so many, uh, so much of the country is actually experiencing. The other interesting thing that happened was that there was a, there was a pipeline conflict going on when we were doing this. And so the idea of whether Canada should actually be producing uh, fossil fuels that we then send out to the, the coast of BC is a good idea for candidates. So that was a hugely debated topic while we were doing this. There were tons of conversations, both pro and, uh, and against. And the other thing that I will say is that we, we did float this idea of a set of Canadian business values. And I encourage people to visit uh, cbsr.ca to, 
to have a, a look at those. I, I can go into more detail about them if you like, but uh, let me just say that one value in particular I thought was really a significant part of the conversation. And it was around this idea of collaboration. The idea that there is an opportunity for people, even within an industry, even people who are competitors, but especially people who are actually across different industries, representing Canada in lots of different ways, through finance, through agriculture, through energy, to find common ground and work together to solve grand challenges in that Canada actually does have some assets that make this possible. There are some great examples to draw from. And when it comes to solving in particular, some of the climate related issues, Canada has a lot of tools in its arsenal, including a bursting clean tech sector that is totally punching above its weight. And so going back to if historically we were kind of globally positioned as the peacekeeping nation, um, what do you think, it, it, is there anything that we could sort of label as our next, would it be clean tech or would it, was there any findings that kind of said Canada will be maybe the collaboration experts or how, how did you, how do you think we be positioned? Yeah, so there's, there's so much to say about that because I, I'm very excited about Canada's future. I think that, um, I, I'm I'm joining you from Calgary, Alberta. I'm actually, despite some of what you might hear in the mainstream news about how the Alberta economy is faring, I'm actually very excited about the future of this province in particular, partly because there's an opportunity to reinvent, to 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 build new, um, and to really incorporate a lot of new new generation thinking into what comes next. There is no industry in Canada that is not being disrupted. And so you could either be a victim to that change or you could drive the change and create a new future. And three things in particular that came out of the, that particular Do Business Like a Canadian campaign or initiative that we led was that in particular in finance, in agriculture and, and food in Canada and in the energy sector, there are huge opportunities to position Canada as a world leader, as a sustainability leader, and as a, a global champion for what happens next in these sectors. And, and those three in particular, I, I'd be happy to double click on sort of any of those uh, because within those, there are huge opportunities, whether it's about monetizing uh, different opportunities to, to capture and reduce carbon, or whether it's incorporating new technology or um, really sort of doing an above, uh, uh, like instead of an either or approach to energy, doing sort of all the above kind of approach to say Canada could be and really has all the ingredients to be an energy superpower, not just in fossil fuels, but in energy of all kinds. Well, we're going to come come back to that a little bit on your personal goals of, of helping accelerate that yes and notion as opposed to you know the 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 polarization of one or the other but i would just want to talk you you mentioned about um you know canada leading and you know i started this story with maple leaf foods having this grand ambition um to be you know the protein iconic protein 
company of the world. I mean, that's a pretty big statement. Let's talk, can we? Can you highlight any of your other corporate members and share a little bit of insider stories that have big ideas of, of being on the world stage? Yeah, happy to do that. Um, you did mention Maple Leaf Foods, so I won't give an example of that. I definitely encourage your listeners to to go to go back into your archive and check out uh, an interview that you did with Maple Leaf Foods, uh, Tim Favre there, who's just terrific. Um, I, I've actually uh, done an interview with him recently too. We can talk about uh, my podcast later if we get an opportunity. But I, I will give another example of a company that we work closely with, and it is in the energy sector. It's a company called Capital Power. And this is a company that just a few years ago was, uh, I would say, very heavily invested in uh, coal assets and has over that the, the last few years done a really rapid job of um, uh, actually divesting from some of their coal assets and doubling down on renewable energy as well as natural gas. But natural gas coupled with all kinds of capture and utilization technologies. And so they actually have a new facility in Alberta that is a natural gas facility that's use, utilizing this technology uh, with a company called C2, C2CNT that is converting carbon dioxide into lightweight steel, steel that's um, known as carbon nanotubes. And so here's a company that just a few years ago was heavily specializing in coal, is now a diversified energy player and is now openly selling onto the market lightweight steel. Like that is a, that's, a that's not a story about transition. transition. Yeah. If that's not a story about transition, I don't know what is. And, and, and it's very exciting. It's, um, and, and it positions them, I think, for a really exciting future that includes uh, a whole bunch of ambitions that they've communicated publicly, including a sort of a net zero by 2050 target, which um, we see a lot of companies pursuing now. And we feel it's kind of like the new arms race in many ways. I like that. I can jot that down. The new arms race really is the new net zero race. Yeah, absolutely. The net zero race and the and the race to come up with low carbon solutions for the world. And again, I think Canada is a hotbed for this. One other initiative that uh, has hit my radar that SBS CBSR has been a part of and launched in 2020 is the partnership with the Delphi Group and Globe Series. Could you explain a little bit about who they are and why this is important? Well, thanks for asking about that. Yeah, it's something we're really excited about. It's um, one of our newer developments. And I know because of COVID-19, uh, we've all been sort of uh, locked in, in our homes. So um, maybe this uh, sort of went underreported. Yeah, we had a big milestone, especially back in February at the big Globe conference that happened in Vancouver, where we launched a uh, major partnership between CBSR and the constellation that involves the Globe Series, which is uh, one of Canada's largest uh, sustainability events forums, as well as the Delphi Group, which is uh, one of the, I think, most well-respected sustainability consulting organizations in Canada, as well as a group called Leading Change, which is a, a youth leadership organization. And collectively, this constellation that we're now a part of, I think, has the ability to um, serve multiple aims, both when it comes to 
engaging with governments on public policy issues, when it comes to developing some leading edge and best practices, thought leadership research, as well as, of course, uh, through the Delphi Group, they, they do consulting to companies uh, uh, in partnership with Globe. We're involved in some of the biggest sustainability conferences. Many of them are digital or virtual now, of course. Um, but I think we're able to offer so much more to the companies we work with because they not only work with CBSR, but they sort of enter this sort of like Marvel universe of people who are, um, you know, who bring sort of different superpowers to the table. Um, and we're able to help meet their needs, whether it's kind of like getting up to speed on, you know, wherever their starting point is on their sustainability journey, or whether it's actually tapping right into the kind of leading edge here, sort of the, the top sustainability people from each industry in Canada, and sort of tap into how they're working together to solve some really, really big problems. So there's different ways to sort of enter into that point, into those points. And I'll just say one more thing about it is it's allowed us to, I think, um, really expand what we're doing. And we've now launched a new SME program, which is unique for us because typically we've worked with, you know, some of Canada's largest corporations and we're excited to, to grow that network and, and we're excited about the progress that's being made there. But this new SME program is an opportunity to really bring all that we've learned and all that's uh, working really well with the companies we're working with towards much uh, a smaller, um, you know, uh, there's some, some startups in our network now. So like an indigenous owned tech company, uh, uh, a craft brewing company that's actually capturing carbon in their facilities and pumping it into a greenhouse to grow food. Uh, um, and, uh, and even a, uh, a fashion a fashion brand that's looking at completely redeveloping their supply chain to uh, to be a, a sustainable luxury powerhouse. Very cool. Well, and something that you and I talked about a little bit was, you know, these are big ideas, right? Corporate sustainability and the and the UN's principles that sometimes for an SME or a or a solopreneur or even a, a distributed company, it's it can be difficult to implement some of these or go from big idea to how do we actually make those changes on the ground? And so, you know, the two things that I'd love to talk a little bit more about the SME program, um, but also you have a toolkit on your website that, that people can look as a guideline. So uh, I just, can we dig in a little bit on what that SME program is about? And the reason partially why I want to do that is one of the gifts of, you know, business beyond 2020 is so much of our work is now digital. So the reality is this SME program, while it's intended to be for Canadian small businesses and medium-sized businesses, the reality is anybody now can tap into it as it's being delivered mostly digital. But can you give us a little bit more juice on what the program is about and how it will function? So a lot of it comes down to the uh, the different assets or, or strengths, I think, that we've really leaned into. I would maybe summarize those in three ways. One is to say that, especially I think right now, when people are feeling disconnected because they aren't able to jump on a plane and go to a conference and, and meet some of the, the thought leaders, uh, whether it's in their sector or whether it's in this whole sustainability kind of 
sub-universe. People are looking for resources at their fingertip right from their home, and we're able to connect them with uh, a supportive, nurturing network across Canada in different industries, so it's quite diverse. Everybody's sort of coming with a slightly different perspective. But we're facilitating this network and doing a deep dive on specific issues. You've talked about sustainability being a, a really sort of broad field, and I agree with that. And so having a group like ours that will sort of break it down, present some fresh research, uh, point you to some of the kind of leading resources, as well as uh, you've talked about the framework that we use. We, we have a, a framework called the Transformational Company Qualities, which really starts with this idea of setting a purpose and, and actually having the, the product lines, the, the way you conduct your business or the behavior and culture around, around how you run your business, as well as the, the different um, communities, whether it's supply chain or whether it's investors or whether it's um, uh, engaging with uh, industry groups and, and government, being able to have all of that sort of aligned with the purpose of your organization in terms of what, why do you exist? What problem are you trying to solve? That's kind of one, one sort of aspect of this framework that I'm talking about. It's a, it's a free tool that's available on our website, the Transformational Company Quality. So I encourage anybody to have a look at that. Um, but there's, you know, it's not the only framework out there. There's a lot of really great tools that I think can guide companies towards really um, making um, corporate social responsibility and sustainability a significant part of how you design and grow your business. So there's the network piece, there's the sort of you know, call it advice or, or strategic thinking that we help companies think through. And the last part of it is really giving companies the opportunity to benefit from being positioned as a sustainability leader. It's good to obviously incorporate these things, but we want people to also benefit from actually demonstrating leadership. We think that leadership is great to communicate because it shows people Oh, this is what it looks like in practice. Oh, this is real. I can do this too. We want that. But we also want to make sure that the leaders in Canada are recognized for their work. Talk to people about why this is real and not greenwashing. And also have a, have a platform for companies to launch exciting initiatives like a net zero project or whether it's a, a new diversity and inclusion program because we know that uh, having a, a large platform to help people to launch these important milestones is good for their business and it's good for all of us because it shows that we're, we're in the business of raising the bar for companies all across the country. And love it. And the actual practical, uh, the program itself, what sort of commitments are people looking at as far as time or, you know, homework assignments, things like that? Uh, you know, it, it is one of these things of you, you, you get out what you put in, but every quarter we, we do a deep dive on something. There's an opportunity for the companies themselves to present a challenge that the, the, their peers or the community helps them work through. Um, then there's sort of one-on-one -on -one phone calls and Zoom meetings where we can actually um, you know, provide some, some further support 
And then in terms of working or coordinating some of the communications aspect, uh, that sort of happens in an ongoing basis or as needed. So on a national scale, before I, uh, we've talked about what has kind of come uh, historically through CBSR. Can you give us some insight on the glimpse of what you're talking about on the future of business? Uh, you touched on sustainable supply chain management. That was one thing I wouldn't mind you just touching on. Uh, is there anything else that's being discussed that will come out uh, in the future? Yeah, there's a lot of, there's so much interesting progress being made. It does, in my opinion, there, it does seem like a little bit of a, a window of opportunity to to do a lot of really ambitious things. Um, I think you know we're we're seeing a big change happening south of the border, and that's going to come with a whole bunch of um, new opportunities. But I guess I'll maybe just sort of touch on three things that I see right now that I, I'm I'm trying to dive deeper into myself. You you asked me about supply chains, or you you put a bit of a segue in there, and. And I'm really passionate about this idea of actually treating supply chains and procurement as um, kind of like opportunities to vote with dollars and especially organizations uh, as companies, um, as entrepreneurs um, and, and as government agencies, there is a lot of power in deciding, yes, we're not just going to actually go to the lowest cost provider in every case, because we're going to give sort of a, a higher score to somebody that can help us solve this greenhouse gas problem or contribute to local businesses in our community that are going to help to reinvigorate or, or build resiliency in our local community. Uh, we learned through uh, this COVID crisis that having local supplies of PPE or personal protective equipment is really important. Uh, so, so, and then of course, creating opportunities for inclusivity and indigenous owned businesses through our purchasing power is really important. And, and we know all this is important, but there's actually a recent study from a, a company called Shift and Build that is saying that when you look so purely from a sort of a government uh, buying uh, lens that although governments are moving towards this low carbon future, only 12% of the RFPs or requests for proposals actually have any sort of requirements around a sort of low carbon solution. So we're saying we want these things, but the mechanisms, the standards, the actual uh, process of making our purchasing decisions as institutions are not consistent with what we're saying. We need to change that. So I, I see that as kind of a, a bit more of an administrative sort of opportunity, but an important one that I think will guide some changes going forward. The other thing that I guess I would highlight is, um, you know, I, I talked a little bit about uh, how our Do Business Like Canadian campaign highlighted some changes in particular in energy and in agriculture. And I see a huge opportunity um, to sort of crack some of the complexity around verifying carbon credits, especially in the agriculture sector, um, so that more of the sort of benefit of owning these credits actually comes back to the growers, the ranchers, the, the food grow, the, the, the farmers, 
so that they're actually creating new revenue streams by lowering emissions and creating more sustainable or regenerative practices in their uh, farming and um, uh, and uh, and actually creating these na nature-based solutions that we need to sort of roll up to the kind of uh, carbon reduction um, results that we need to see as a as a country and as communities. I see that as kind of a second thing. And I guess the third thing that I would highlight that I see as an opportunity when you ask me about the future of this whole area of corporate social responsibility, sustainability, I would say that we maybe have kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity, partly because economies around the world are now talking about rebuilding, that there is an opportunity to reform capitalism itself which is kind of a big idea and seems sort of daunting. And maybe some listeners are out there saying, well, that seems pretty unrealistic. But when you look at some of the, some of the things that are happening in Europe in particular, I think that there's a lot of lessons to be learned there. I think that um, we have this opportunity when it comes to deciding differently how, what kinds of things we put into trade agreements. And, and even just from the point of view of uh, saying, okay, if we wanna actually benefit from the free trade agreements we already have in place, like with the EU, we don't have the standards up to snuff to actually keep up with the requirements that they have products and services coming from Canada. We need to step up our game. And I think that making some changes, including, and I'll just sort of point out one thing, we have this kind of like very bottom line focus demonstrating a financial return on every decision, on every move we make within the quarter. Right. Versus 10 or 20 years down the track. Right. right. How do you... genomics, it's like seven generations, right? Right. <laughs> That's exactly where I'm going. So, so how can we possibly be a society that says we want to be people that not just contribute to solving a, a global climate crisis, which I think we can do, but actually reap the financial, the economic rewards for doing so, because those absolutely exist, but we need to demonstrate that we can do that within this fiscal quarter. Like that doesn't make sense. So we need to, we need to, we need to reform that. We need to make changes. And there are examples of companies that have made those changes. The, uh, the famous example that I use is Unilever. They stopped doing annual reports. They actually do them every two years. And they said, yeah, I mean, the people who sort of wanna see like a very quick return on our stock will probably leave us, but the longer term investors will stay with us. It's proved to be a very successful model. And they're not looking at just your average sort of uh, reporting of you know just sort of economic return and uh and here's a bunch of stories about goodwill they're they're actually they have this whole sustainable living plan where they're saying that part of our success as an organization is looking at whether we're decreasing obes obesity increasing quality of life and increasing literacy and they've got metrics around that and i think that if you decouple this whole idea of very, very short-term economic return with a much 
bigger wholesome opportunity to actually put value on the changes we need to make as a society, put metrics around those, incorporate those into long-term success. Financial success will come with that, but it just might not happen within this, you know, four-month period. Absolutely. Well, and I think if I could kind of wrap up that idea with you, you mentioned trade agreements, you know, speaking with currency and and you know, we've we've used money as the greatest currency and we talk trade agreements. I want to bring that down to not just global trade agreements, but everybody, every business decision maker and, and entrepreneur and consumer to think, you know, as they're embarking on a purchase, that that is a trade agreement, right? That is you're getting value back and and what is the legacy that you're leading behind? So maybe that's a, a challenge that I'll put to, to all of us here. Uh, I want to, one thing that I think has been highlighted in a recent, um, I guess, political landscape south of the border is, and something that I think Canadians, there's an essence there, but it's not quite as dramatic is polarization, you know, and, and polarization really does nothing for anybody. And you talked about Canada being really good at collaboration. Um, something that I want to bring back just to finish off in talking more about Lior specifically and uh, you've got a podcast. We're fellow podcasters, which is kind of fun. Um, you've got a podcast called Pipelines and Turbines and Pipelines, Pipelines and Turbines. Right. That's a yes and conversation. It, it, one of your goals, as I understand it, is to kind of depolarize the conversation about resources. You want to just give us a little bit of insight on what you're personally trying to achieve with that podcast. Uh, thank you so much for asking about that. Uh, obviously, it's fun to talk about uh, podcasts and, uh, you know, it's very meta to talk about a podcast on a podcast, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's a great medium for a number of reasons. We've come to this stage in our sort of collective media and consumption of media that is um, either, you know, like boiled down to 140 characters, which loses a lot of substance or it has become polarized, like you say, because let's face it, when something creates kind of an emotional response in people like, oh my gosh, you know, President Trump is doing this now, or oh my gosh, Joe Biden is gonna do what? Uh, it creates an emotional response for people that actually drives them further apart from seeing what we all have in common. And it creates this dichotomy that there is somebody to blame for something that we see that is a challenge that is difficult to overcome. It is their fault. And this us and them dichotomy is, is actually in some ways good for media, especially as media has lost advertising dollars and has had to really sort of uh, uh, move to this sort of uh, clickbait sort of uh, uh, kind of reality that you know, emotional news, whether it's uh, real or, or whether it's exaggerated, it um, it seems to just suck all the all the oxygen out of the room. And I think it's very empowering for people who have some subject matter expertise and some experience to share and invite some interesting guests that is uh, not just because this particular guest is going to get you the ratings, but because this guest has something to offer your audience that that is a really important medium 
that I know that you're doing with this particular podcast and we're trying to do with pipelines and turbines. And so um, there are three hosts, uh, myself and um, Jason Switzer and Dan Zilnick. All three of us do have oil and gas experience. All three of us are sustainability consultants or, um, or, or people working in sustainability in some way. Jason, for example, leads the Alberta Clean Tech Industry Alliance and we bring on we we have we have some what we think is sort of witty banter we all we always love to we we love to tease dan and call him sort of the the right-wing economist on the on the program um but uh but really all of us are trying to really scope out the the, the middle ground rather than being uh against you know sort of this particular type of energy or like hugely sort of like saying, this is the panacea, we need to go all in on this. It's really about showing the very wide spectrum in the middle that says, this is a complicated issue, but it's so important for Canada to get right. And we explore in a number of dimensions through politics, through economics, through uh, uh, the business news of the day. And we invite guests to join us sometimes, we ask them, sometimes quirky questions, hopefully sometimes very insightful questions about their particular area of expertise, whether it relates to renewables, whether it relates to pipelines, whether it relates to um, uh, sort of energy politics uh, and, uh, and investing as well. We have a lot of fun with it. So that is one place that we can find you post podcast today is on uh, on your podcast. Well, Lior, what is the best way to connect with you? I would love to be engaged with your listeners. Um, I'm quite easy to find, uh, very approachable. So please track me down. Certainly Pipelines and Turbines is one avenue that I encourage you to check out some, some, of, the, some of the thinking that I have around some of these energy and sustainability issues. But also if you run a business that you want to really specialize in sustainability and to demonstrate leadership, to, to move up the, the curve in your, in your journey uh, and really, really reap the economic benefits of demonstrating that leadership, then check out um, CBSR uh, at cbsr.ca and the new SME program that we have there. And if you're interested, you can contact me directly either on LinkedIn or through the CBSR website, I'd be happy to chat with you further about any questions you might have about it. Awesome, and I look forward to talking more and learning more about the companies, of course, that are working with CBSR and uh, and maybe talking more to the Canadian companies who are legitimately invested in this net zero race. Because, you know, a little bit of friendly friendly uh, competition at the, at the business level. Uh, and maybe I'll try and uh, engage more people in the, in learning their stories and how they're doing it. Starting maybe with your craft beer. I, I'm a huge craft beer consumer myself. So um, your first one of your first SME businesses is in Lacombe, Alberta, I think. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Blind Man Brewery. Really terrific uh, uh, and fast growing company uh, that is based yeah, here in Alberta, Lacombe. And, uh, and like I said, they, they, they are, I think, uh, you know, creating a template for what it looks like to be a truly purpose-led, sustainable and responsible company in that sector. Um, so 
yeah, keep it, keep a close eye on them. <laughs> Perfect. Lior, thank you for all your time today. Uh, and I appreciate it. I look forward to uh, talking with you more as we go into the future of Canadian business. I- I'm so honored to be on your program. Thank you so much for the invitation. And yeah, Canada podcast. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan and uh, we'll be promoting that in our program too. Thanks so much, Lior. Thank you.